Two years ago, this is what my broadband had to say about cliffcentral.com on our third birthday. They said this, Cliff Central recently turned three years old and has shown strong growth since its launch on the 1st of May 2014. Many commentators predicted a fast death for Cliff and his team when he made the move to the Unradio online platform from 5FM. But its continued operation speaks for itself. Cliff Central told my broadband it averaged just over 100,000 live connections per month in 2016. And that's how they started it. I'm happy to say uh, we're a little older than three now. We're five years old. And it is amazing to see how quickly we incorporate new habits into our lives. 20 years ago, very few people had mobile phones. 15 years ago, we used BBM. We had flip phones and SMS. 10 years ago, we started using smartphones. Facebook became mainstream and WhatsApp became the default for messaging friends and family. Five years ago, podcasting was something most people didn't even know about. Now, podcasting is mainstream, and people talk about what podcasts they listen to, like we used to talk about our favorite TV shows. Here we are, in the month of our fifth birthday. I'd like to welcome Timothy and Ernest, who are going to be joining me in this podcast. We've been working together to determine the power of podcasting, both in a qualitative and a quantitative way. But I'm not going to say too much about the past because I'm a lot more excited about the future, uh, about sharing the things that we've learned and where we're going. But it is worth remarking just briefly on this pioneering journey. I'd been in broadcasting for 15 years when I took the decision to leave and start something new. I was at the top of my game in the South African context of TV and radio. I'd been working with Rina Brumberg, who some of you may know, and who managed the transition of 702 Talk Radio from music to talk. We were both interested in the next stage of evolution in media, and we decided to leap off the cliff (laughs) into the then unfamiliar territory of online streaming and podcasting. We knew we were ahead of our time, and we knew that there was an education job to do. Many sleepless nights later, people are starting to understand podcasting, or at least they know what a podcast is. We've had many meetings where we got the best minds to wrestle with the best and worst ideas to figure out the way forward, And many people have made contributions, either as listeners or clients. And thank you for that. So what is the value of a podcast? And what is the value of the podcast audience? What have we learned in five years? Well, here are a few things before I bring Timothy and Ernest in. First of all, shouting about your brand doesn't work anymore. That's given way to storytelling, compelling content that adds value to people's lives. Every brand is the now a broadcaster, and every brand now needs to create or support content that matters to their audience. The way podcasts are shared isn't the same as how people are targeted for advertising. The endowment effect, as we've called it, is something Timothy will describe in detail. We describe Cliff Central as a virtual auditorium, which is unique in the world as both a content creation platform and media and distribution channel. Let me introduce you to Timothy Maurice, if you need to be introduced to him. He's an author, four best-selling books under the belt on human and brand behavior. His research is focused on the link between brain power and brand influence. Timothy studied the link between neuroscience and marketing at MIT in Boston and has worked between America, Africa, and emerging markets for the past decade. His brain and brand podcast, OnCliffCentral.com, was there from the very beginning, I'm happy to say, and he has remained a good friend of ours throughout. 
Um, he is also very interested in the topic we're discussing today, the brain and how we should see the power of the individual differently. My other co-host for this podcast is Ernest North. Ernest is an actuary who founded a new business last year. He'll tell you about that in a little while. He also partnered with Cliff Central in developing a podcast series to create and share content in a new way. He got podcasting from the start, but significantly, as an actuary, he can also crunch numbers to help figure out algorithms that make sense of human behavior, how likely people are to do certain things. When he asked about the stats for his own show, we asked him to apply his mathematical brain to an audit and help us figure out the formula for podcasting. So after that very long intro, gents, <laughs> thank you very much for coming. Um, let's just talk about the endowment effect because people are trying to understand, we've been trying to understand how podcasting is quantified. And Timothy and Ernest, you're the experts now. <laughs> let's jump in. So I'm obsessed with the brain. I'm obsessed with every aspect of how the brain is trying to optimize and preserve and conserve energy. From an evolutionary perspective, every single person listening right now, the brain is literally trying to preserve energy. It doesn't know what threats it may face. It doesn't know what sort of chaotic instance it may be in. So it needs to conserve energy. Mm -hmm. The way the endowment effect relates to this is we're seeking to own. We're seeking to feel that we are associated to things that we can identify ourselves. So a simple example is that if you have two cars next to each other and one of them is yours, but they're identical, the one that is literally yours, you have associated memories, you have associated history, you have a relationship with that that increases the value of that car, even though the one next to it is identical. So ultimately, anything that you, and this is very important, Gareth, anything that you feel like you own, you attach additional value to. Mm -hmm. So when you look inside of your sort of podcast list, you have aggregated that list, you have put that list together yourself, and you feel a sense of ownership that creates a link between the brain that makes you, that adds that sort of feeling that I own something, I know where I stand in life, I feel like I have a perspective, I feel a particular link that is quite strong towards my community and where I operate. And why this is important is that as society becomes more chaotic, as there's more political uncertainty, as you know, consumers lose trust in the economy, having spaces where there's an endowment effect makes you feel more anchored and more rooted in life. And that triggers the instinct of the brain to feel as though you know where you belong and you know where you relate. And why I think podcasting has become such a big, big sort of uh, center of this kind of personal ecosystem is this. I feel strongly, and I think when I relate to my own sort of listeners and people who relate to my podcast, is that we are terrified of so much nowadays, and we are overwhelmed with so much stimuli that if I can put a space together where I'm educated, entertained, and inspired, and I feel that it sort of supports just about every avenue and channel of my life, then it's going to mean a lot more to me than something that's just fleeting like radio, something that's just passing by. So I feel deeply anchored and connected to that space. That's very powerful. Ernest, you, you put together a podcast series called The Naked Economy, which was all about businesses and their values. And 
a lot of people were asking, and maybe there's still a lot of people asking, so how does that help Naked Insurance? Yeah, look, I'm excited to have this conversation and to talk about the quantitative or the scientific side of getting to a number. What does podcasting mean? What is the value we get from embarking on this process of sponsoring or hosting or facilitating conversations to happen? And intuitively, all the things that Timothy says are so natural. Like intuitively, you, you'd think that it is the right thing to do. Like you'd think as a brand, you would want to create a platform that facilitates those kinds of conversations. Yet when the decision needs to be made in terms of where you spend your advertising money, so rarely do brands get that that is the natural place to go. Okay, so let's start with insurance. This is the business you've been in for a long time. I would imagine because there are a lot of actuaries in insurance, they're very careful about where they spend the money, and they, they crunch the numbers quite comprehensively to make sure that they're not wasting money. Um, how much does that cost the insurance industry? So it's quite, a, it's quite a sad statistic that the average insurance company selling sort of a standard buildings or car insurance policy needs to spend just over 4,000 rand on average in advertising for every one sale that they make. Wow. Now, the number itself is scary because it means that all of us are seeing a lot of billboards, hearing a lot of ads, that repetition is driving all of us up against the wall. Mm. But from a mathematical point of view, the part of it that makes me really sort of question the sustainability is the fact that that money is spent lasting only one generation. Now, what I mean by that is when you sell to someone as an insurance company, you spend on average the 4,000 rand. But then in order to reach one of their friends or to reach one of their family members, you have to start all over again. You have to start all over again and spend that 4,000 rand again. And where the penny dropped for me was when I started engaging with Cliff Central in terms of understanding the, the power of the podcast community, the kinds of interactions that people are having with the podcast hosts and with the community and with the other people that share the values and share the interests in those kind of podcasts. And I started realizing that the connections or the anchoring which Timothy is speaking about in terms of trusting a space, feeling that sense of belonging, is the exact opposite to how insurance companies advertise themselves. So how would this endowment effect work to someone with an insurance brain? Yo, look, it, it, it wasn't something that I masterminded. What I'm very happy to say is that we went out on a limb and built a new insurance business with the intention of having the client experiences and the technology behind it just wow people. What I didn't plan was for this new era of marketing to kick in. I didn't anticipate how much people would trust what they interact with and if they have good experiences, just start telling their friends about it. And accordingly, the really exciting part is, of course, that if you don't need to spend that 4,000 rand on the second or the third or the fourth generation, because people are having good experiences, telling their friends about it, sharing good experiences of something that they really trust, ultimately, it means that less money can be spent on advertising, and you can grow a business at a more economically sensible way. So I want to get into the, the equation, the actual formula that you've, you've come up with in order to calculate the value of these listeners. But Timothy, this is kind of 
in a, in a very simple way, it's, it's what I was saying earlier about how, oh, I found this really great thing. I'm going to pass this on to other people who I think will appreciate this really great thing because it gives me social cachet. It makes me seem like I'm clever, I'm inspiring, I'm informed, I'm educated, all of that stuff. So it has it has a real value as well to people, it, social value. It does. You know, I want to I want to let's put together a real life case study. So let's say Naked Insurance decides to advertise on my podcast. What's interesting is this. If you're inspired and moved by my podcast, you have an emotional connection. So now that the endowment effect has happened, you feel a sense of ownership with this content in your phone or wherever you download it. Because Naked Insurance has advertised on my podcast, you've tapped into what Daniel Kahneman and the sort of pioneers of heuristic thinking, which is shortcut thinking, which is about optimizing the brain. What what they have discovered is that there is a positive bias towards anything that has an emotional connection to the endowment effect. So simply put, you hear the Naked Insurance advert on my podcast, you immediately create a formula. My positive feeling plus this podcast plus Naked Insurance is something that I value. Mm-hmm. So what happens is it literally the emotive connection to anything on that podcast literally almost overrides logic. It it goes... I feel connected emotively. This is the two cars, and you'd almost be willing to pay more for the one that you know is yours, even though they're identical. And you may go, okay, I'm willing to override the idea that I need to go through the pain of getting rid of my insurance to latch onto Naked because I want to be part of this sort of formula. Mm -hmm. Me plus this podcast plus Naked equals part of my tribe. And this is a powerful part of the endowment effect. It literally triggers people to override logic. Any sort of pain that it may take to get access to this, any sort of stress, I'm willing to override that because the endowment effect has that much power. Think about this for a moment. Imagine you've got a pet or your child has a pet. And then somehow your babysitter lets the pet run out. And then the babysitter scurries about to go find an identical pet. And it brings it in, right? It's not so much that it'll be angry with the fact that you brought this new pet in. It looks identical. It's that the stories and the emotive connection had ran out the door and you didn't tell them. Mm. So we feel a sense of literally you've ripped my emotions out of me. And that's the real power of the endowment effect. And any brand needs to be thinking about how can I latch on to this emotional ownership conversation that we're having? Because that's where the real power is, because the value goes up once you associate with something that people feel they're connected to deeply. So, Ernest, you talk about how people pass this on, second generation, third generation, and so on. When they find something good, like a podcast they love or a TV series they love, for example. But in podcasting, is there a way to calculate how many people are there at the end if you start with X number? So let's take output from the mathematical model that we built. It's worth saying that we built this using both my sort of traditional actuarial skill set of statistically predicting how people behave and assigning statistical values to it. But also then, as you said, you opening up the Cliff Central platform to me and giving me access to the data, the qualitative and the quantitative data of how people actually engage with a podcast. And in investigating how once someone has had the chance to listen to a podcast, how likely are they then to say, listen to the second episode? Mm -hmm. How likely are they then to refer X number of people? 
And in turn, how likely are those people to start listening and to share? Now, I'm very excited about this number, and I wanted to ask you, when you first heard me saying that if we put into this model a starting number of 5,000 people, Mm -hmm. we get 5,000 people to listen to a podcast, and we assume fairly conservative number of people actually finish episode one, then move on to episode two, but we track throughout 10 generations. In other words, I refer you. You refer someone, et cetera, et cetera. And we track with probabilities assigned to whether it'll actually happen. How many people do you think will end up listening to all four hours of the podcast if we go with a sort of a 10 episode podcast? Mm-hmm. How many people will end up listening to those four hours in total? Well, if you consider, you know, I don't have the experience in this, but I would imagine it, it we should be about 5,000. Now, the weird thing for me was that even if you just evaluate the first generation on their own, less than a third of those 5,000 people would finish the podcast because it's a big commitment to sit, put on your headphones, sure. determinedly not listen to anything else during that time and listen to all 10 episodes of, of a podcast. So it was interesting for me when I started looking at the economics that less than a third of the original 5,000 people finish the podcast. By the way, this would line up with TV. As well. I saw a similar statistic with Game of Thrones on Netflix. But if you evaluate, again, using fairly conservative assumptions of of referrals, Mm -hmm. how many people in total, after you include all the referrals, how many people finish the series? 9,800. So round it up. Call it 10. So almost… You're you're, you're doubling the So you're doubling your audience. And they're listening for four hours. And what what I'm excited about… Is the fact that when you take into consideration Timothy's view of the level of emotional connection, Mm -hmm. the quality of the connection that you can achieve with an audience when they are listening to your content for four hours, you can't even start to put that economically in the same bracket as the number of people that hear your seven-second ad on a radio. So what is the value of being in someone's head for four hours? I mean, for a marketer, that's a dream, right? Yeah, I mean, because essentially what you're doing is you're creating neural pathways for four hours. And you are creating sort of synaptic connections where the brain is firing. There's chemical firing. They're creating these patterns in the brain. And this is really important because let's build on this. So now you've got a person who has an emotional connection. They feel a sense of ownership. Mm-hmm. You've created pathways in the brain. And part of the reason why they will pass this podcast on to their tribe and their friends in a way that has conviction and they feel like they are center of something extremely important is that you want the people in your network thinking similar to you. You want them to have similar pathways. You want them to mirror your beliefs. That's why you find, for example, you're out at a bride or whatever, and when people start speaking about crime or whatever, it's like people light up when people feel similar. If they don't feel similar, it's an awkward feeling. <laughs> it's a really uncomfortable feeling knowing that this person's brain is filled with a whole lot of stuff that's not similar to mine. 
How am I so, going to communicate with right? it? Right. So yeah. if I find a tribe that thinks similar to me and then I can add value to that, you enrich that deeper connection, which is the the real answer to that last question you asked me. But I wanted to build on that and I want Ernest to come before – I wanted him to come before I actually answered it because I think this conversation is literally built into that point where you can really see the economics of that emotive connection – it will fundamentally add value to any brand that's associated because you are rallying a tribe of people just by getting to that one person who's been listening for four hours. So for a brand, even indirectly, even subliminally, to be allowed to live in someone's head for four hours is the holy grail of marketing. But that doesn't mean that all the other people who started, for example, and all the other ones who might join in in between aren't also valuable. So we're not saying it's a total number of of say in this case 10,000, it could be very, very many more. And that number can keep on exponentially repeating. And the thing about podcasting is obviously people can save it on their phone. They can go and download it again. They can re-listen to it. They can rewind it. I mean, in some podcast episodes on, on our channel, we've had people with over 100% listening rate, which means they've listened to it once and then sometimes again. And I love the reference to all the Cliff Central shows that have – stopped publishing new episodes yet their listenership is increasing yeah. six or 12 months down the line right and as you say when we quantified those 10,000 people we didn't include people that only listened to a portion of the show yeah. i only wanted to get to the total number of people that finished the whole show so there's a whole bunch of other people that we didn't even include in that number but what gets me really excited is from an economic perspective, a brand needs to make a decision. Where are you going to invest your money? The new era of marketing is invest in content. Mm -hmm. What the, the, the era of marketing that's slowly dying is to buy a platform, just to rent someone else's platform just to shout your name. The era of marketing that's growing is where will you spend your money to produce quality content? And what I'm excited about is – with this mathematical model where we've taken Cliff Central's data and quantified the behavior of people listening and then sharing and growing that audience in that way, we're able to put a number next to what that investment you've made into that podcast, what that translates into in terms of the size of the audience. Mm. And it's very easy then to say how likely is someone to – Take action A, B, or C once I've been in the head for four hours. Well, to, to get away from the old idea of, of the ad agencies having to buy time on a platform, for example, this is creating an audience for that brand. This is their audience, not the audience of Cliff Central or SABC1 or HBO or anyone else. One of the things I love about this conversation, for those who are going, okay, I don't know about this brain stuff. They can really get the numbers, right? <laughs> but but what I really – I want everyone listening to go and study the idea of neuroplasticity. If you're really inspired and you're very passionate about content, your brain goes into this ability to rewire itself. Now, why is that important to this conversation? Because if you're in a elevated, heightened state where your brain is positioned – to make new connections. And that's all neuroplasticity is. It's the ability to make new connections. If you're in that elevated emotive state, then your brain is rewiring itself. In the middle of that rewiring, if you are a brand that's associated to this podcast, you benefit from this rewiring. And you benefit from the, the fact that 
as the brain is making new connections, you are riding the back of that new connection making. Mm-hmm. Now, what's more exciting is that if you are super inspired and you're loving this content, then your brain can go into what we call hyperplasticity, which is a space where you literally are fundamentally experiencing almost like a revival in the brain, this ability to connect at a very, very high level. If you are not connected at that emotive level and you try to advertise alongside that, you're not getting the benefit of this new connection that are happening in the brain. Well, I mean, this is being borne out internationally. If we look at, at the examples that are going on in, in big podcasting um, series that have been created, I mean, BMW just recently did a food podcast. They're a car brand, and everyone was saying, well, why are you doing a food podcast? But this great content argument that Ernest was making is the reason. Uh, General Electric did a sci-fi series called The Message. Facebook launched their own podcast series called Three and a Half Degrees, explaining how much more connected we are now since the world of social media has become the norm. Uh, Sephora, they, they, they're a women's makeup company. They've done lip stories, which is women's life stories. And, and these kinds of things are – people are talking about the show. They're not talking about the brands, but the brands get to benefit from the yeah. show. There are few products where people's guard go up as quickly as insurance. And for me to start a podcast where we are sincerely going out there to find businesses that embody the principles of the naked economy and to profile those businesses and to start making people aware of the value of those win-win kind of businesses that are sincerely growing communities while actually doing it in an ethical way, people just resonate with that so much stronger than they would have if I've tried to sell them insurance. And so it was such an obvious way for me to grow an audience is to sincerely highlight other businesses that have similar values to what we have. And it was such a short jump for people then to say, but actually, if I need car insurance, I may as well get it from these guys. But it's coming from the right place rather than the wrong place, which speaks to what Timothy was saying just now about the way your brain rewires itself. All right, so... We've seen from research that was published by Spotify just a couple of days ago that 81% of podcast listeners have taken action as a result of hearing a brand mentioned in a podcast. That means they'd either go and Google it to find out more or they'd actually go and buy the product or they'd subscribe to the service or whatever it is. Why do you think that happens? Is it because of this endowment effect? Yeah, completely. I feel like that it's it's is everything that we've just sort of mentioned i mean i have a practical example of where i sent my sister a link to a food ordering service because they advertised on one of my favorite podcasts so i'm not even benefiting my sister's benefiting <laughs> that's the power it's worth saying at this point that endowment that word is quite an interesting word the only time i've really heard it used regularly was in discussing like universities big universities and colleges get endowments from alumni and and what an endowment is, if you look it up, to endow someone or something is to provide that someone or something with a quality, an ability, or an asset. So it's it's giving someone something really valuable. And I think that's what podcasting does. That's why so many people, particularly, you know, in, in the the worlds of adult education, self improvement, motivation, these are things that are growing enormously fast in podcasting, and it's because of this endowment effect. And of course, you know, there are examples that we've been doing too besides the Naked Economy, like uh, the Blind History series, for example, which people are really enjoying because 
It's great content. It's called Blind History. It happens to be Taylor Blinds and Shudders, but it's not this hard sell message. You're enjoying the content, very sincere and authentic relationship with the content, and there happens to be this really good association too that the brand gets. That's probably why it got listed as a finalist in the New York Festival Awards. The thing about the endowment effect is it has a direct link to getting value. Hmm. Endowment means eventually you get something, you get value. And what I like when we go back to this mathematical model which we've built for Cliff Central and we evaluate the value of those 9,800 people that have spent four hours listening to a series – You can't put an exact RAND number that will be the same for each industry Mm -hmm. as to how much you would be willing to spend to get that audience. It depends on like the level of connection that you actually achieve during those four hours. It depends on what industry you're in and how many pre-existing barriers you have to break down (laughs) of old association. I know all about that. (laughs) But the long and the short of it is that it's very easy to quantify – what kind of behavior someone would be likely to show after they've become close to your brand for four hours. It's very easy to start putting a number to the kinds of interactions that will come out of the relationship which you've built up with that person. And what I'm excited about this new era of marketing was when you went out on a limb five years ago to say that podcasting is probably going to be big – it was very hard to quantify, yeah. and it would, be, would have been a very long shot for an advertiser to say, yes, I'm going to invest in it because I think I can get value from that audience. Yeah. Now we're at a point where we can say we've demonstrated mathematically how big that audience will become and, more importantly, what that audience will be worth, how much that investment that we've made will translate into the quality of that audience. It's like people took um, cost per click or cost per million or cost per thousand, which was the way that they used to quantify traditional advertising, they just took it as gospel. People were expected to believe it. There was a number attached to it, and they just went with it. We've had to do some hard yards here to figure out what the podcast audience is worth, and it turns out they're worth a lot more. I suppose it's useful to note at this point that when we started this, there there were very few people who, who were in the podcast ecosystem. Now it's growing. It's not growing exponentially yet, but it probably will. And in America, it is the fastest growing medium of all. It's growing much, much faster than Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or any of the social media. So that speaks to how podcasting could, in terms of what the opportunity is here, um, potentially become. I think as we kind of wrap up, every single person listening to this is trying to transport their self into the future and figure out where they stand. What podcasts do is help entertain you on that journey, inspire you on that journey. And that emotive connection really does have enormous value that we can actually calculate. And I'm thrilled to be part of a conversation where we can go, look, if you're a brand, you may want to get in the middle of this because as people's brains are trying to figure out their place in the future and it's rewiring itself, you can be part of this whole kind of ecosystem of great content. At the end of the day, though, and this is what we're endeavoring to do, is the content has to be really good. If the content is really good, you get that brain benefit. So now you know the answer. If a shock jock, an actuary, and a behavioral scientist walk into a bar, you get this conversation. 
Well, the next five years are probably going to be very exciting in the world of podcasting, and I'm absolutely sure that we will discover more and more interesting stuff along the way. The purpose of this podcast really was to let people in, whether you're a listener or whether you're someone in the, in the advertising business, whether you're a big brand that wants to advertise, a little brand who wants to advertise, to understand something about how this environment works and how, first of all, from Timothy's point of view, it works on people's brain and their behavior, and from Ernest's point of view, so that you know what that return on investment is and you know how to calculate what that audience is and why it's important not to look at it the way that it's been looked at when compared to traditional media. So we've got lots more to discover. We've got lots more to share and we will be doing that from time to time as necessary. Cliffcentral.com and um, I'm, I'm glad to say we're leading this charge, taking the industry by the horns and directing it in a new direction.